Welcome to The Wounded Christian. I'm your host, John Piper. I want to start by apologising for my voice. My wife and I are recovering from our second round of COVID, and as we walked into church today, the greeter told me I sounded horrible. I know I'm starting to feel better, because I replied with, and you're looking terrible, but that was in my head. So if you're upset by the way my voice sounds, then you'll just have to get over it. In today's episode, I want to talk to you about hurt in church and the revolution we need to combat that hurt. When I wrote my book, I was primarily talking to people who, like me, had been wounded while in ministry or leadership. But my wife and I have been hurt in church, and a lot of the things that God has given me to say are equally beneficial to people who have been hurt in church. So whatever camp you fall into, I believe this episode has something for you. My Twitter feed is full of two kinds of people. The first is pastors, preachers and Sunday school teachers who have been burned out in and wounded by their ministry. The other half are those who have been hurt in the church. Both groups of people are hurting. So what are we doing about it? Now you could say, John, I'm one of those groups. I'm hurting. What on earth could I do about it? Well, by the time I finish the end of this episode, I might just have the answer to that question. The church is hurting, and COVID has exasperated that and highlighted some things we are doing badly in church, many of which we have been doing badly for a long time, even decades. A recent survey quoted in Christianity Today says that three quarters of churchgoers are satisfied with their congregation and wouldn't want to change. Also, 85% are satisfied with the length of the sermon and service. 88% are happy with how often the church asks for money, and 74% like the style of the service. So if people are so satisfied with the church, why are there so many people hurting both leaders and congregants? Is the survey wrong? No, it's not. At least the data isn't wrong. Honestly speaking, how many of you have been hurt because the sermon was too long, or because they asked for money one too many times, or because the style of worship was not to your liking? All of those may be reasons to find a different church, one more to your taste, but none of those reasons in and of themselves would get you to the point of walking away from your church. So why does the survey say that 75% of people wouldn't change anything about their church when we all know that Christians are hurting in numbers like never before? It's because they asked the wrong questions. Now, I'm not here to bash the reporter at Christianity Today, or the people who conducted the survey. Their work has highlighted something important. The mask we show the world is very different to the reality within our congregations. And it's time we got honest with ourselves, because without brutal honesty, we cannot make any changes. So what would have been the right questions to ask? Well, let's start with these. Question one, do you feel welcome in your church? Question two, do you feel heard in your church? Question three, do you feel appreciated in your church? Question four, do you feel valued in your church? And question number five, is your church family, a family, or just a group of strangers who meet once a week for about an hour and never get to know each other? How many of those questions can you answer yes to? If I'm being honest, brutally honest, There have been many times when I couldn't say yes to any of those questions, despite being in a leadership position. 
While most of my wounding came from the mission organization I worked for, my healing has been hindered by hurt in the church. For seven years, my wife was the head of the women's ministry in our church, and she was badly wounded. Seeing her being hurt, standing by unable to fix it, hurt me, and left me bitter towards a number of people in church. We have both shed countless tears over the questions I just asked. So what is the problem? Who do we blame? And how do we fix it? Well, those are quite some questions. The problem is this, we are doing church wrong. And because of that, we do not love our fellow Christians. Or, maybe, we do not love our fellow Christians and therefore we are doing church wrong. Who do we blame? Leaders who have been wounded blame their congregation. Congregants that have been wounded blame their pastor. But truthfully, we're all to blame, all of us. Well, those were short answers. The how we fix it is a lot more complicated. A pastor can preach for over a year on the need to love each other, and a congregation will still not love each other. Churches seem to harbor the belief that we've always done it this way is a valid answer to the question of why we do something. For seven years, my wife tried to change the women's ministry in our church to minister to the needs that she saw the hurting woman in the church had. But the loudest voices said, we've always done it this way and we do not want to change. My wife and I both knew that the ministry needed to change to help those who actually needed help. My wife admitted to me the other day that since leaving the leadership role, she's been able to help more hurt women in the past year than she did in seven years as a leader. Some churches have top-down leadership. The leaders at the top of the denomination make changes, and it's transferred down to the local church. Some churches give all the power to the pastor, and he or she decide what changes happen. Some churches have influential individuals or groups of individuals who either make or hinder changes. Whatever church structure you're a part of, the issue is that we often look to others to make things change. When they don't and we are hurt, we blame them for whatever they didn't do. COVID has highlighted the issue that I have been seeing for a long time that we simply do not love each other in church. And it's highlighted a large reason why. We spend very little time with each other. If the only time we spend with people at church is a fleeting few minutes before and after the church, then I have two questions. Question one, how can we love each other if we do not know each other? And two, what's even the point of church? If we don't know each other and we don't love each other, then how can we possibly notice when those around us are struggling and hurting. There was a time when my wife was so hurt she wasn't going to church. She'd been the women's leader for seven years. Woman would come up to me and ask, how's Vicky? One even asked, can I call her? Knowing that these women were a part of my wife's hurting, yet they would consider themselves to be her friends, I was constantly confused as to why they didn't text her, call her, send her a message on Facebook. Was their concern not genuine, or were they just really uncomfortable? If you've read my book, then the following words may be familiar to you. As Christians, when we see unsaved people struggling, we have compassion for them, and we want to see them healed. Yet when fellow Christians struggle with being hurt, we act differently. We get uncomfortable, and that stops us from being the good friend that we should be. Now, in the book, I use the word failure, 
in this particular passage. But here we're going to replace it with the word hurt. Not that being hurt is a failing, but many Christians don't understand the difference. So this is a, a little bit from the book. Christians are scared of hurt in others because accepting it may reveal the hurt in their own lives. I know this sounds stupid because we serve a God who forgives and a Christ who died to restore us to God. Most Christians are perfectly happy with the concept of a sinner repenting, being saved and becoming a Christian. They are willing to overlook most of the sins and the hurt in someone's life pre-salvation. But those same Christians are very uncomfortable with the thought of a Christian struggling. If they see your hurt and woundedness as a struggle, or even as a result of something you've done wrong, then it gets very hard for them to forgive. In order to accept what they perceive as your hurt, they must have the confidence that God isn't condemning them for their own hurt. Jesus told us to remove the plank from our own eye before we take the speck of dust out of our fellow Christian's eye. But from their perspective, that means admitting that they have a plank in their eye, and that is a very uncomfortable thing to do. Some people are quick to dismiss those that have been hurt, because our hurt reminds them constantly of the plank that is in their own eye and is their own hurt. It isn't you, it's them. When you spend so little time with the church family that you barely know them, how can you be comfortable enough to be truthful about your hurt, knowing that the people you are sharing with are criticizing and condemning you? And if you feel that way in church, then I guarantee that there are others that feel the same way too. It is time for a revolution in how we do church. Jesus spent every minute of every day for three years with his disciples. When Jesus left them, they continued to spend all their time together. They were brothers and sisters in Christ because of the cross, but they loved each other because they knew each other. I've already said that change happens from the top down in most churches, but obviously that has not been working in most churches. The revolution needs to happen from the bottom up, and it starts with us, with you and with me. If you are still in church, even if you're thinking of leaving, I want to challenge you with something God has challenged my wife and I to do. Find others in your church, or even ones who've left your church, who are outcasts, like you and I are, and be intentional about getting to know them. Despite a survey saying that 75% of churchgoers are happy in church, I would suggest that there is far more than 25% of your church who feel just as unloved as you do. Be intentional in getting to know them outside of church. I'm not talking about making a click, but about being the revolution that changes your church. If God is not telling you to leave your church, I would encourage you to try this before making any decision to leave. Don't start a group, don't ask for permission, and don't invite them to a Bible study. We need to make friends with people outside of church on Sunday. We need to be social, and this is coming from an introvert. We need to eat with people, just like Jesus did. We need to do this with the sole agenda of getting to know each other. We need to be intentional on making friends with others who say no to the survey questions I asked. 
And those questions again are, do you feel welcoming in your church? Do you feel heard in your church? Do you feel appreciated in your church? Do you feel valued in your church? Is your church family, a family, or just a group of strangers who meet once a week for an hour and never get to know each other? My Twitter feed is full of two kinds of people. The first is pastors, preachers, and Sunday school teachers who have been burned out in and wounded by their ministry. The other half are those who have been hurt in church. Both groups of people are hurting, so what are we doing about it? Change is not going to come from the organization of church. It's going to come from those of us who are hurt, recognizing others who are hurt and loving them. Let me know how it goes. I'd love to know how this grassroots revolution goes. You can email me, woundedchristianproject at gmail.com, message me on Twitter at notthejohnpiper, or message me on Facebook.